Will you turn to Hebrews chapter 11? Hebrews chapter 11. We're, we're continuing our sermon series through the book of Hebrews. Today we are in Hebrews 11, 8 through 16. Here is the word of the Lord. By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man, and him as good as dead, were born descendants, as many as the stars of heaven, and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. Let's pray together. God, we thank you that for all those who are in Christ, you are not ashamed to be called our God, and you are preparing for us a city. Help us to fix our eyes where they should be. Pray that you would help us this morning in this sermon, that you would grow us in faith, and that you would that you would grow us in grace, and that you would grow us in godliness. And that if there's anyone here who doesn't believe the gospel, that they would believe it today. In Christ's name, amen. I'm, I'm, not, um, I'm not naturally very good at knowing what to expect. Um, sometimes things are just way better than I think they're going to be, and sometimes they're, they're quite a bit more disappointing than, than I thought they were going to be. I think, I think this morning that if you, if you knew that this was a, uh, a sermon where the children would be in with us, there's no children's church, you would not expect this to be a seven-point sermon. Um, so, so we don't always know what to expect, right? We're always, sometimes we're a little surprised. Like today, seven-point sermon. Um, I, I, there's been times where my wife has said, we're gonna have, we're gonna have some folks over for, 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 for lunch after church on Sunday. And my first instinct is really, People? I'm kind of done with people. I don't want any pets, I don't want any animals, but I don't want any people either. In fact, why don't we just kind of send our kids somewhere else? We just, we just have a nice meal and hang out and not have to answer any questions? Let's have no people. She goes, let's have more people. Huh. Well, we have a different opinion on what makes a good Sunday afternoon. But then after the people are gone, I'm like, you know, that was nice. That was a blessing. That was an encouragement. I didn't hate that at all. 
we, we don't always know what to expect. We're not always good at that. The Bible, the Bible is so good for us. It's so helpful. Because one of the things the Bible does is the Bible is just so clear on here's what to expect. The last few Sundays, the last few sermons in the book of Hebrews have been pushing us towards, these, these last few passages have been pushing us towards finishing our, our race with joy, holding our confidence firm to the end. Believe the gospel today, believe it tomorrow, and, and believe it until you die or until Christ returns. Just keep believing it. Follow Jesus today and follow Him for the rest of your life. Don't shrink back. Live by faith. The author of Hebrews says, we're not going to shrink back. We're going to live by faith. And then, he, he does something very kind for us here in today's passage. He says, if we're going to live by faith, here is what that's going to look like. Here is what we can expect. If you're going to live by faith, here is what you can expect. And yes, I have seven answers to that question. What can we expect if we're going to live by faith? I will have you know, first time I wrote this out, there were ten. So I've consolidated. You are welcome. Seven answers to the question, what can we expect? Number one, expect to obey the Word of God. Verse 8 says, By faith, Abraham, when he was called... No, no, no. It says, by faith... Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. By faith, Abraham obeyed. Over and over and over in the Bible, faith produces obedience. If you're going to trust Jesus, you're going to follow Jesus. You're going to obey his word. You're going to obey the Bible. James says that faith without works is dead. People who have been, this is just a, Biblical truth, it's, it's a pervasive, everywhere in the Bible, biblical truth. People who have been given true saving faith from God will be people of obedience. They will, they will obey the word of God. The, the, so if you can think of their life as a, as like a line graph, right? Where you, they start out here, they start out their, their life of faith here, and you see the line graph, they're, they're going to grow and grow and grow and grow in obedience. Now, if their line graph is, is like anybody, like mine or anybody else's, the, the line is not going to be like this straight, beautiful line of just kind of perfect sanctification. Just, no, it's going to be, it's going to be a few, oh, it's, it's and some embarrassing moments and, and some repentance and some growth and some, some, some things we'd rather not mention and some stuff they've got to confess and stuff they've got to fight against. So it's not a perfect line, but the trajectory of the life of a believer, the living by faith is, is a, a life of obedience. When, when people think of you, they think of someone who is committed to obeying the Word of God. You, you want to kind of orient your life around what the Word of God says, what Scripture says. So that's, and we see that. If you're going to be a person of faith, young person, if you're going to think, I'm going to follow Jesus, I'm going to, I'm going to believe the gospel and follow Jesus for the rest of my life, then, then you have to understand, here's what to expect. You must expect to obey the Word of God. By faith, Abraham obeyed. We, we see this all over the Bible. I, I get asked uh, this kind of thing often. And I, I've been asked this... I, in fact, it, what reminded me of this is I just had this conversation last week where, where someone said to me, they said, my, my loved one, they are, they are committed 
to a, to a same-sex relationship. They are, they are living in that kind of relationship. They have, uh, they have that kind of identity, and this is just the lifestyle they are living in. And then they said to me, do you think that my loved one who was doing this, that, that they're a Christian? And my, my answer is no, I don't think so. If I had to choose one or the other, I would say no, I don't think they are. Because, because it's one thing, um, and we all know this, right? It's one thing to be tempted to, to certain kinds of sins. We all have different sins that we are more tempted to than others. And we have, we have sins that we are tempted to that other people don't seem to struggle with as much. They've got their own thing. So it's one thing to have our daily battles with sin. It's a whole other thing, though, to say, this is, I am, I am just going to live in this lifestyle. I'm going to adopt this as who I am even though the Word of God clearly says no. If we, if we live in this active, unrepentant lifestyle, we are, we are showing... James would say no. James would say no, because if, you, if you're a person of faith, if you're a person who truly believes the Gospel, if you have, if you have saving faith, then, then you're going to be a person who is marked by obedience. Not active disobedience, do, do we have, do we have seasons of life? Do we have, do we have times where we fall into patterns of sin and we need to be, we need to be shook up out of that and we need to, and we need to repent of that, we need to fight against it? Yes. But if we're going to just kind of live in it with, with no kind of, with, with no pangs of conscience, with no guilt, with no fighting against it, it's a terrible sign. It's a terrible sign. So, so if you're gonna be a, if you're gonna live by faith, what can you expect? Expect to obey God's word. Number two, ex- expect to live with temporary uncertainty. Expect to live with temporary uncertainty. I'm going to read the rest of verse 8 now. I just read the beginning of it first. It says, By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. Very interesting thing that God does back in Genesis 12, he says to Abraham to get up and leave your country and go to a land that I will show you. A land that I will show you. And so Abraham is to obey the explicit word of God, but he is not given all the details. He does not know how this is going to play out. He does not know exactly what the next several years of his life are going to look like. This is a little bit like if today I said to my wife, let's move to Idaho. Let's sell our house and move to Idaho. And she's like, well, let's, let's talk about that. Where in Idaho? Well, I, the only place, I don't think there is any other place besides Boise, right? There's not another. Is, does Idaho even have another city? I don't think they do. What are we going to do when we get to Idaho? I, I guess we'll raise potatoes. I don't, I'm not sure. I, is there a thing besides that? So we're gonna go, is there, is there, is there nice schools around? Is there a hospital or urgent care? I don't know. Idaho probably has those things. I don't know. I don't know. Let's just go and see what happens. Well, let's talk about that. <laughs> I'm not sure she would love that idea. This is essentially what God does for Abraham. You need to uproot here. You need to, you need to leave what you have here, which is everything, and you need to go that way. And Abraham obeyed God. And at, and at the time when he went out, especially at the very beginning, 
he did not have very many details at all. This is a great little reminder for us. Because, because we don't know, we do not know how, how our lives are going to play out. Now, this is temporary uncertainty because we have all kinds of eternal certainty. We know what's coming um, in, the, in the life to come. It's going to be good. We know that's going to be good. We're going to dwell secure with God forever. It's going to be good. But here on this, on this earth, in this life, we do not know how things are going to play out. I, I, and, and we, of course, we don't have the we don't have the move to Idaho kind of commands in in God's word. Instead, we have the be a person of integrity, tell the truth. I, I know you. I know you work at a job. I know you go to a school. I know you have friends and and loved ones and 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 people you work with and. I know that you kind of live in a world where the truth is negotiable and people sometimes fudge the numbers and they, and they flatter other people and they sort of say things in ways that they'll get the response that they want. I, I know that you live in a world where the truth is no big deal, but it has to be a big deal to you. The Bible says it is. You live, you live as a person of integrity. You tell the truth. Now, I would love to be able to say to you, and if you do, everything will go great. You'll get a raise at work. Everyone will love you. You'll, you'll, yeah, I mean, it's just going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. It's going to play out great. No one's going to turn their back on you. No one's going to think you're stupid or weird. You're going to be, you're going to have all the friends you want. You're going to have all the money you want. You're going to have all the success you want. Just tell the truth and it'll be great. We, we don't have those kinds of promises. We don't. In fact, and maybe this is because I'm a bit of a pessimist. In fact, I would say to you, yeah, if you commit yourself to living the way the Bible wants you to live, it may not go well for you. You may miss out on friendships. You may miss out on promotions at work. You may not get the house you wanted or the future you... I don't know. The, the life here on earth may not be great. I hope it is. But it may not be. Because the, you know, the, the values of the Bible don't always align with the values of the world around us. So I don't know how it's going to play out. This is what living a life of faith means. It means living with temporary uncertainty. We don't obey the word of God because we are certain it's, going to, it's all going to work out well for us in this life. We obey the God. We obey the word of God because we belong to God. Because we, we love God. Because we want to honor God. You want to live by faith? Expect to live with temporary uncertainty. Number three... Expect to live with temporary unsettledness. Verse 9 says, By faith he, Abraham, went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with, the, with him of the same promise. So, so they went and they got to the land that God had promised them. They, they got there, but they didn't, they, they never really belonged there. They never really put down Stakes. Abraham and then Isaac and then Jacob. Abraham and his son and his grandson never really were at home there. They were never able to really settle. They traveled around. They lived in tents. Verse 13 says that they acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. They lived an unsettled life. And we have talked about this uh, before and, and you probably know what I'm going to say but we need to talk about it again. It, if if you are going to commit yourself to being a person of faith, you're going to live by faith, you're going to believe the gospel, you're going to follow Jesus, you're going to obey his word, then you are going to feel unsettled here on this earth. 
You're going to feel like you don't belong. You're going to feel like you don't fit in. You're going to feel a little bit homeless. The, the only illustration I could think of this week, and I'm sure there's better ones, but uh, you just have to make up your own if this one doesn't do it for you, okay? Just imagine that you're on a basketball team, all right? And if you've been on a sports team before, like in high school or college, you realize that your life becomes about that thing. For that season, your life is about that team. It changes the way you eat. It changes the, the, the way you exercise. It changes the way you use your time. It changes who you hang out with, who you're close to. I mean, it just changes everything. Right? So imagine that you're on this team and you're a few weeks away from the, uh, from the end of the season and everybody on the team is just fired up about this trophy. They're going to get first place and they're going to have this trophy and they're going to put it in the school's trophy case and, you know, and then they're going to have this story to tell their children someday. And it's just so great, this trophy in this first place. And you wake up and you realize this is stupid. Who in the world cares? Who cares? I am giving my life to this trophy that I'm probably never going to see again to this newspaper clipping that I'm going to tell my grandchildren and they're like, oh, that's cool, and then go back to Pokemon or whatever. What am I doing with my life right now? I am, I am wrapped up in this thing that is fading. Hmm. This is a little bit about well, like what it is to become a Christian. You, you, you wake up and you realize, oh, my, what I care about, my values, they don't line up with anybody around me. They are all building their lives around something that's going to fade and it's going to pass away and it's going to have no eternal significance. They are, they are, they are storing up treasure on earth. Where, where, where moth corrupts, where thieves break in and steal. They, they're building their life around stuff that doesn't matter at all. No wonder I don't feel like I fit in. I don't care about what anybody else cares about. I don't belong here. If you, if you have this nagging sense that you don't belong here, that's good. That's fine. That's fine. If you have this nagging sense that, that the, 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 the things that you are building your life around and the things that you're really aiming for and, and, the, and what you really want to accomplish with whatever days God gives you here on this earth are, are things like storing up treasure in heaven. They're, they're, they're things of eternal value. They're, they're honoring an eternal God. They're, they're, living, they're living in light of an eternal gospel. They're, they're, they're focused on, on getting to heaven and, and bringing your loved ones with you. You're, you're going to find yourself a little bit homeless, a little bit unsettled here, because your, your values don't align. You're going to feel like an oddball. And that's okay. Expect that. You want to live by faith? You expect to live with temporary unsettledness. Number four, expect to live with temporary unfulfillment. Verse 13 says, These all died in faith, 
not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. Abraham was Abraham was promised big things. He was promised a whole land. And, and then he was, he was promised this, this, this huge nation coming from him. A, a family that was going to be so big. Like the, his descendants, so many descendants, outnumbered the stars, outnumbered the, the grains of sand on the seashore. He was going to have a huge family and this beautiful land for them to live in. It was going to be glorious. And he died. Never saw any of it. Never saw any of it. One son when he died. He didn't see any of it. He didn't die in fulfillment. He died in faith. He didn't die enjoying the things God promised. He died before they came to pass. This is a nice little reminder for us that the greatest things that God has promised us, we will not experience until either Christ returns or we die. You're not going to really, you're not going to have your best life now. it's, it's, It's impossible. In fact, you don't want your best life now. You, you want your best life then. You're, you're, you're going to die unfulfilled. You will not feel fulfilled in this world. So if you're just really, if you're just, if you really want all the answers, you want certainty, you, you, you want to feel like you belong here, you want to feel fulfilled, well, you're going to have to be okay with, with, with waiting on most of that. Does God give comfort and peace in this life? Absolutely. Absolutely. Does God give joy and courage in this life? Absolutely. But has He promised to, to, to give us all that, he is, that He's going to give us? Are we going to have all of that in this life? Are we going to feel at home here in this world? Are we going to feel like we're, we're strangers and exiles? We're, or we're pilgrims? We're just a passing through. What are we going to feel like? We're going to have some uncertainty. We're going to have some unsettledness. We're going to have some unfulfillment. Number five, expect God to be faithful. The person who lives by faith, they live expecting God to be faithful. Verses 11 and 12 say, By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, therefore from one man and him as good as dead... So, I mean, he's old, right? I mean, he's just, he's good, he's as good as dead. As good as dead people don't produce offspring. We're born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. Abraham and Sarah believed the promises of God, and the specific promise of God here is that they would have a son, even though they were old. There's a, there's a reason Grace Village doesn't have a maternity ward, right? Like we, we, like there's no delivery room over at Grace Village. That's because those people aren't delivering. They're done. They don't mind patting the grandchild on the head. And oh, that's cute. But they're not having any babies over there. They're not having any babies over there. That's because they're as good as dead. They're way past the age. The, 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 the necessary parts don't do the necessary stuff. They're not having babies anymore. But Sarah believed that, that God was faithful. God promised that Abraham and Sarah would have a son, and she believed it, and she received power to conceive because she considered God 
to be faithful. Now, you and I don't have the... You, we're, we're not, we're, we're not going to be 90 and having children. That's not what God has promised us. But God has promised us some, some amazing things in the New Testament. He has promised us that we'd have plenty of comfort in times of trouble. He has promised us peace that passes all understanding. He has promised us wisdom whenever we lack it. All we have to do is ask. He has promised us strength to fight temptation. He has promised to, to work all things for our good and for His glory. He has transferred us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of His dear Son. And, and because of that, He is going to finish the good work of salvation that He has started. He is faithful. And so if you and I are going to walk by faith, if we're going to live by faith, we are going to expect God to be faithful. He is going to keep the promises that He has explicitly made to us in the New Testament. We expect God to be faithful. And then number six, expect God to be merciful. Now, I'm going to do my best uh, to not openly cry when we go through this point. Uh, because I, both times I've, when I, when I wrote the sermon, and then as a, the only other time that I kind of said it out loud to see how long it actually was, um, I had a hard time getting through this particular point. Because look at verses 11 and 12. This is the, this is the social media post. Look at verses 11 and 12. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even though she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. What do I mean by the social media post? I am saying that that is the cleaned up, that is the cleaned up version of those events. That's the version of those events that you want everybody to hear. That's the, that's the nice side of the story. If you read through Genesis 12, 13, 14, 15, uh, it's not that pretty. Abraham and Sarah are laughing at God. They're lying. Abraham takes a concubine. It is not pretty. There's a lot of stuff they need to repent of. There's a lot of stuff they'd be embarrassed by. There's a lot of stuff in that story. But when God relays the story quickly in Genesis, or in Hebrews 11, he just said they believed and they received the promise. It was nice. That's the social media version, right? When I, when I put pictures up of a family vacation, I'm not showing you all the stuff. You don't want the whole story. I am just giving you the highlights. I just want the likes, right? I just want everybody to like that, heart that. Oh, look, you're such a wonderful family. Oh, my word, we're still, we didn't, we didn't kill each other. So it was a win. The, the, the real story is not as pretty as the social media story. This is the pretty version of it. Why has God given us the pretty version? He's already told us. Hebrews 8.12 For I will be... I can do this. For I will be merciful toward their iniquities and I will remember their sins no more. You, you are a person of faith. You're living by faith. If you belong to Christ, if you're following Jesus, if that's your story, then yeah, you're, you're living by faith. But you've got moments like Abraham and Sarah had that you are not proud of. I've got moments I'm not proud of. I've got things only I know. 
even those people closest to me don't know. I've got some hiccups. I've got some setbacks. I've got some embarrassments, some times of repentance, some times of fighting hard against sinful temptation. I've got some, there's, there's some, there's some not safe for work parts to my story. How does, how does God record our lives? Like this. Like this, Abraham and Sarah—they believed the promise, and they and they and they, they counted God as faithful. They received the blessing. Yay! He remembers our sins no more. So, as we continue our life by faith, we must do so, expecting God to be merciful. He is merciful to us through the shed blood. Of Jesus. Do, do you believe this? This is, this is fundamentally what we must believe. This is what the faith that God gives holds on to. This is this, that Jesus Christ died for our sins. He died so that we could be forgiven. And because He saved us, God the Father remembers our sin no more. When He tells our story, it's like this. It's like this. I love the end of verse 16. It says, look at the end of verse 16. It says, therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God. You read Genesis 12, 13, 14, 15, you're like, yeah. Yeah. I ain't claiming those people. That's weird. There's like concubine in there. There's a bunch of people laughing at angels. This is not, no, we're, yeah. God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. Last week, Colin mentioned um, Enoch. Enoch. And if you're like me, you hate Enoch. I can't stand Enoch. Maybe, maybe if you didn't have the oldest brother that I have, maybe you'd be fine with Enoch. Maybe you're an only child. Or maybe you are the oldest brother. In, case I ha- in that case, I hate you too. Enoch is perfect. Don't you just love perfect people? I came through the world with pretty severe, pretty, pretty severe expectations on me. Because my oldest brother was probably an actual angel. <laughs> he was good at everything. He was smart, and he worked hard, which usually smart people don't work hard. He was smart and he worked hard. He was good at sports. Everybody loved him. He was, he was polite. He was respectful. I can't stand him. Because I came, through the, I came up through the ranks, and I was not that. I was my own little dude. So I, I look at Enoch. Because, you know, you, you read the story of, like, Joseph, because Joseph seemed pretty perfect. And you read the story of Daniel, and I and I've and I've figured out some flaws in Joseph's story and Daniel's story. I don't know why I worked so hard to find flaws in their story, but I did. And I think it says something about me. Um, but Enoch just he walked with God and God took him. What in the world? Give me something. <laughs> Give me something. I hate that dude. And I know that because of Jesus, Enoch and I are technically brothers. Blah, blah, blah. 
But I've got a silly, I've got a silly, completely hypothetical, this is not happening kind of story, but it's just, it illustrates something. Imagine that Jesus is doing, imagine that Jesus is doing exactly what he's promised to do, and he is building a place for me. That the creator of the universe is pouring his creative energy into, into building an eternal home for me. Just imagine that, because it's happening. Which is bonkers. And then imagine that Enoch comes up. And Enoch comes up to Jesus. And Enoch says, Jesus, who, who is this one for? And Jesus says, Steve. And Enoch says, well, lots of Steves. And Jesus says, Steve Ron. And Enoch says, I hope there's lots of Steve Rons. <laughs> I, I know one, and <laughs> what are we doing here? And Jesus says to him, I'm not ashamed of him. In fact, I can't wait for him to get here. A few chapters ago, we saw that Jesus is... The, the, same, the same Greek word for can't wait. When, when, when it says here in this passage that Abraham is looking for a better city, he cannot wait. He's on the edge of his seat. He's anticipating. That's the same way Jesus is thinking about putting all things right and bringing us home to him. He can't wait. That's more mercy than we know what to do with. He's not ashamed of you. Are you in Christ? Are you believing his gospel? He's not ashamed of you. He's not. When he tells your story, he tells your story the way he told Abraham's story, leaving out a lot of stuff. Because when he forgives someone, they're forgiven. When God says, I'm not going to remember anymore, he means I'm not going to remember anymore. I will never hold that against you. So when we walk by faith, we expect God to be merciful. This is our only plea. Mercy of God. Through Jesus Christ. And finally, number seven, expect to someday live in a better city. I know when you guys heard seven points, you thought we'd be in that better city by the time I finished this this sermon. We expect to someday live in a better city. Verse 10 says, for he, Abraham, was looking. Why was, why was Abraham fine living in tents in this world? Why was he fine, why was he fine living with no foundation, no, st- n- no foundation here on this, this earth? He, he lived in a, a house he could pick up and go, and he, and he saw other people, and they had, they had foundations. They had, they had built a, a life for themselves here. And he's like, I don't, I haven't done that. I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm just a stranger. I'm just passing through. Why was he okay with that? Because he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. Verse 13, these all died in faith. Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, they died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For, For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. They were, the homeland they wanted was just the good old days. They could have gone back to that. They could have gone back to Ur. That's where they had money and they had, you know, they could have done that. But verse 16, but as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore God has not, is not ashamed to be called their God for he has prepared for them a city. 
We think by faith means looking for a, a better country, a better city, a city that has eternal foundations, a city that God has made, a heavenly city, looking for that heavenly city, that better city, that is what God uses to sustain us through the ups and downs of, of living by faith. Well, we obey His Word, not always sure how it's going to play out here on this earth. We, we, we obey His Word, not sure, you know, knowing that we're never going to feel exactly at home here. Knowing that we're not gonna, we're not gonna receive the fullness of his promise here on this earth. We, we gladly obey his word because this earthly life is not the end for us. We're looking for a better city. And what makes it better? Well, the author of Hebrews uses that word better on purpose. He's used it quite a bunch in the book of Hebrews. He's, he's, and he's gonna keep using it. Uh, in fact, if someone, um, put a gun to my head and said, summarize the book of Hebrews in three words, which would be a weird reason to put your gun to my head. But anyhow, if you did, and I had to, I would say Jesus is better. The book of Hebrews shows us over and over and over in all kinds of ways, Jesus is better. The, the author of Hebrews has said, Jesus is better than the angels. He is better than Abraham. He brings us a, a better hope, a better covenant because of better sacrifices. His, his blood is better than Abel's and he gives his people a better possession, a better resurrection, and now a better city. And why is it a better city? Because Jesus is better. And Jesus is there. In a moment we're going to sing um, Christ is mine forevermore. And the last verse says, Mine are keys to Zion City, where beside the King I walk, for there my heart has found its treasure. Christ is mine forevermore. Why is it a better city? Because Jesus is there. We're going to be with Jesus. There God will not be ashamed of us because of Jesus. We're going to, we're going to walk beside our King. Our hearts will find its treasure. There we will fully and finally say, Christ is mine forevermore. You want to finish your race with joy? You want to live by faith? Expect to someday live in a better city. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for your word. We pray that you would help us to live by faith. We thank you for showing us what we can expect. And we look forward to walking with our King in that better city. Help us until then to remember that you are faithful and to remember that you are merciful. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.